Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. The American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations present Mr. President. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our country, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Edward Arnold as Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It's evening and the old mansion is resting quietly after a busy day. Only one window on the ground floor shows a light. We enter and find ourselves in the President's study. Good evening. Sit down, won't you? Did you ever realize what a magnifying glass Washington is? It makes a good man seem like a saint and a weak man seem like a master criminal. It makes white whiter and black blacker, as you'll see in tonight's story. Now, I'll tell you later on, of course, which president this story happened to. But meanwhile, I think you'll be able to guess. Very early one Saturday morning, I was playing golf with the man I'd recently appointed head of the Veterans Bureau. His name was Charlie Holt. Well, three down, two to go, Mr. President. Yeah, par for this hole is five, Charlie. <laughs> it's been done in four with a good putt. Oh, well, then you watch me. Well, say, wait, that, that's a new putter you've got there, isn't it, sir? Yeah, brand new. Now, how far would you say the ball is from the hole? Oh, 15 feet. Oh, uh-huh. now watch. Uh, 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 uh. Nah, too <laughs> short, too short. <laughs> well, I'll conceal the hole, sir, I... Uh, we'll go on to the next one. Uh, now, just a minute, Charlie. Uh, Paul, I'm going to play it out. Oh? <laughs> all right, sir. If I can't make you three-foot putt now, I'll throw this club <laughs> into the river. That's all. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Ho- hold it, sir. Hmm? Another twosome coming along. Oh. Hello, Holt. Hello, Bar. Oh, friend of yours, Charlie? Not exactly. Beautiful morning, Holt. Isn't it? Yes. Uh, Mr. President, this is Mr. Barr. Good morning, Mr. Barr. Mr. President... How's uh, business, Holt? All right. Still doing business only with your friends? If you do business with people, they're apt to become friends. <laughs> then how does anybody get to do business with you over there in the Veterans Bureau? My company's been trying for months, without luck. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Barr, uh, what kind of business? Surplus army goods. Oh. Nice to have seen you, Holt. Goodbye, Mr. President. Goodbye, Mr. Barr. Hmm. <laughs> 
All right, sir, it, it's your part. Uh, Charlie. Yes, sir? Uh, that was rather a pointed remark Bob made about doing business only with friends. Oh, he's got it in for me, sir. He, he's one of those people who read personal motives into everything. Uh, your ball, sir? Uh, why should he? His company entered bids on a supply of surplus sheeting, and I... Well, I couldn't accept the bid. So he thinks I had a personal reason. Surely you have cranks of that kind to deal with, too. <laughs> Don't we all? Now let me make this part. <laughs> all right, please. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> Miss Fire <Pioneer. laughs> I tell you, I'm going to throw this putt into the river now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golf is a great level, sir. Even the President of the United States can get angry at a Miss Putt. <laughs> <laughs> it's silly, isn't it? All right. One more chance. Let me your putter, will you? All right, here you are. Oh, well, there at last. Your hole, Charlie. Uh, say, uh, how about making the game more exciting, sir? Uh, playing on our heads? <laughs> no, no. Uh, say, uh, $10 a hole, not counting the first, of course. Oh, no, 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 Charlie. I play golf for enjoyment. But I hear you've been playing cards for good-sized stakes. Oh, rumor always exaggerates, sir. Especially in Washington. You like stories about how good I am at golf, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Washington's like a magnifying glass, isn't it? The least thing swells up into a mouth. <laughs> Naturally, with the whole country watching us all the time. Sarah? Did you enjoy your golf, Mr. President? Oh, I had a wonderful time. I'm almost as good as Charlie Holt now. <laughs> uh, what shall I do with a stick? Stick? That's not a stick. It's a club, a golf club. Very well, a club, but it's broken. Shall I throw it away? Well, if you have a distant relative you don't like, you can give it to him. <laughs> no relatives I dislike that much. Miss Sarah, you've heard some of those stories about Charlie Holt losing at gambling, haven't you? The uh, newspaper men have told me. Well, do you think that's true? They seem to be. Is anything the matter? Well, an odd thing happened on the golf course this morning. A businessman named Barr came by and made some very pointed remarks. About gambling? No, no, no. But this fellow Barr uh, dropped a hint that Holt's running the Veterans Bureau uh, purely for benefit of his friends. That is, the selling of surplus supplies left over from the war. Mr. President, did you say the man's name was Barr? Mm Mm-hmm. Did you catch his first name? No, no, it wasn't mentioned. Why? Well, a letter from a man named Barr just came by messenger. I have it here in my folder. Was it addressed to me? Yes, I was about to send it over to Mr. Holt. Oh, here it is. Oh, thank you. My dear Mr. President, I was not joking in my remarks to Charles Holt. My firm has been unable to close any contracts with him, even though we have consistently bid higher than certain other firms. H.W. Gorman, for instance, to whom Mr. Holt seems very close. I feel the situation is grossly unfair and deserves your attention. Respectfully yours, S.K. Barr. It may be pure malice, Mr. President. Yes, that's what Charlie suggested this morning, and maybe it's true. What? Well, I mean, to Charlie Holt, the whole world is a friend. That's what I liked about him when I first saw him working with the veterans in Honolulu. I liked his sincerity, his interest in his work. It's the same. The last place I want anything to go wrong is in the Veterans Bureau. The country owes those men too much. Do you want to talk to Mr. Holt about it? I can send for him. No, no. The man I want to talk to is Bob Spear in the Surgeon General's office. I've got a job for him. Mr. President, I'd much rather you gave the job to someone else. Well, you're the best man in Washington for it, Bob. 
Charles Holt's a higher official than I am. I'm sure you see the peculiar position you're putting me in, sir. Well, I've got to know what's going on in the Veterans Bureau, Bob. How else can I find out? Ask Holt himself, sir. Oh, I have, but not about this letter yet, but, but other things. Before I make an issue of it with him, I, I want a confidential report from you. Suppose he finds out what I'm doing, sir. Oh, don't worry about that. I'll tell him myself the first chance I get. But what I want you to understand why I, I've asked you to do this job. You're the Surgeon General. You're connected with the Veterans Bureau without actually being Charlie Holt's assistant, and you're familiar with the organization. That's all true, sir, but... And finally, if you... Well, you have nothing to gain or lose from whatever you find out. Would you do it, Bob, as a personal favor to me? All right, sir. I'll work as fast as I can. It's quite true, Mr. Preston. How bad is it, Bob? The Veterans Bureau is a snarl of inefficiency. There's no question it may cost the government millions of dollars. How exactly? In the sale of surplus supplies from the main storage depots. Perryville's the largest one. Uh-huh. As you know, sir, the Bureau is charged with selling excess supplies, but only after veterans' hospitals and the public health service get what they need. The trouble now is that goods are being sold, gauze, bandages, drugs, soap, blankets, towels, and so on. These goods are being sold so rapidly that the hospitals and the public health service are not getting what they need. Well, what's your explanation of the reason? The general inefficiency of the organization. And I'm afraid that's the plain responsibility of Charlie Holt. Oh, that's an outrage, Bob. Carelessness at the expense of men who have been fighting a war for us. I've got to be sure that supplies that ought to go to them and to the public health service go there and nowhere else. And that taxpayers' money isn't wasted. Bob, you stay here. Miss Sarah. Yes, Mr. President. Uh, Miss Sarah, arrange for Charlie Holt to come and see me today as soon as he can. Sit down, Charlie. Thank you, sir. I've asked Bob Spear to sit in with us because uh, this involves him as well as you. So I asked him for a report on how the Veterans Bureau is running. I'm sorry you didn't ask me, sir. I'm the director of the Bureau. Charlie, it's my job to run the government as best I can. Besides, we owe extra consideration to veterans. I'm afraid your feelings and spears and mine run a poor third. Well, I'd, I'd like to have Bob tell what he reported to you, sir. Bob? I don't mind, sir. Charlie, I told the president what everyone in the Bureau can see very plainly. It's a mess of inefficiency. Accusations like that are easy to make. Charlie, this is more serious than you realize, and it's a very painful interview for me. I had a great deal of faith in you, in your sympathy with veterans and their problems, and your ability as an administrator. But I'm sorry to say I, I can't bank on that faith anymore. You can't? I don't understand. I've got to remove you from office. I see. I haven't any choice. If anything is seriously wrong in the Veterans Bureau, you'll be blamed, of course. But the final responsibility is mine, and I can't take a chance. Uh, what excuse would I get? Would I have, Bob? You don't believe there's anything really wrong in the Bureau, do you? I think inefficiency is wrong. Mr. President, would you listen to my side of the situation? Why, of course. I had a choice to make, Mr. President, to be cautious and picky you and let the goods dribble out into use. And nobody would have been satisfied. I'd have been accused of inefficiency. But instead, I decided to get the supplies out of our warehouses, out where they'd do some good. I went fast, yes, deliberately, because speed seemed more important than caution. Well, I... I was wrong, Mr. President. Sorry, I've embarrassed you. Mr. President. Yes, ma'am. From my knowledge of the Veterans Bureau, sir, I'd say that everything Charlie's told you is, well, an accurate picture of events. I mean, 
Perhaps if he had time, he could straighten the situation out. Charlie, do you think you could? If I have your confidence again, sir? Charlie, I don't want to remove you. I hated to think I could be wrong about a man. I'll give you a chance to get the Bureau running properly. Thank you, Mr. President. I promise you won't have a thing to worry about. to see you. What may I do for you? I'm afraid I've got some disappointing news for you, Gorman. Oh? Anything wrong? Yeah. The president has run across certain information. Oh? He's putting a lot of pressure on me, Gorman. I'm going to have to take it easy. Meaning? We'll have to hold up on our shipments to your firm. Yeah, but see here, Holt, we've got a contract. It's just until the pressure is off. Yes, but by then the chances of making our profits may be gone. Fred will have to insist on delivery, Holt. Insist? Certainly. Actually, you have nothing to fear. The president doesn't dare make any trouble about it. Doesn't? And why not? He'd be making more trouble for his own administration than for anyone else. But wait a minute. If if they prove that this is the truth... Oh, you're in this too too deep to back out to. Now, just as the president is. You just forget your fears and keep those goods rolling out to us. Nobody dares make any trouble for any of us. And you stand to make a very tidy sum personally. Hmm. I don't think the president will object once he learns what it will mean to his administration if he does. I saw it with my own eyes. It's incredible. Take it easy, Bob. What's the trouble now? Since our interview with Holt, I've been watching the situation naturally. Good. Mr. President, I've uncovered not more inefficiency, but corruption on a gigantic scale. Charlie Holtz? Judge for yourself, sir. In Perryville, I found freight cars being loaded with 75,000 towels, billed out at three and three-eighths cents apiece to an eastern firm, a Gorman firm. Gorman? Uh-huh. These towels cost the government 19 cents apiece. And Holt's virtually giving them away to a private company when the public health service needs them and can't get them. Bob, you yourself said such things came from plain inefficiency. I thought so, too, before. But when I got back to Washington, I looked up that contract. There was no inefficiency connected with that. It was highly efficient and crooked. The Gorman firm had made the lowest bid, not the highest. Is that the only case you found? By no means, sir. Just on a quick survey of other contracts, I'd say that Holt has sold over $3 million worth of supplies for only $600,000. And for only one reason. You mean some of the buying companies are paying him secretly? I can't believe it. But it must be. How else could Holt live and spend as he does on his salary of 10000 a year? Mm, you know, Bob, I felt Charlie Holt was well-suited to the job, and I was wrong. I felt he, did, he was honest and efficient, and I was wrong again. Not only once, but twice. And now I don't see much ahead except a major scandal. Well, I can't go back and do that part of it over again. But I can't stop it from going any further. Miss Sarah? Yes, Mr. President? Miss Sarah, I want you to prepare an executive order of the Veterans Bureau. Yes. Suspending all sale and shipments of Veterans Bureau supplies at Perryville. That's very strong action, Mr. President. Why wait? Is that all to the order, Mr. President? No, second paragraph. No further contract shall be fulfilled until it is certain that all needs of veterans, hospitals, and the public health service have been met. 
And drop everything else, Miss Sarah, and get that order prepared. Miss Sarah. Yes? I want you to get Charlie Holden here as quickly as you can. I want to ask him some questions. Mr. President, we've been looking for Mr. Holt. He's not in his office or anywhere in the Veterans Bureau. He's not at his home either? Then try the country club, all the hotels. I want him found before another day's go by. Mr. President. Have you found him? Well... Out with him, Miss Sarah. He left Washington last night for New York and sailed for Europe. He's gone. Gone? All right, Miss Sarah. A memorandum to the Attorney General. Yes, Mr. President. Please subpoena all sales and purchase records of the Veterans Bureau. Surgeon General Spear will show you ample evidence of corruption by Charles Hunt. He has fled to Europe, but he must be found and brought back. This case of, is of the utmost urgency. I'll send this over at once, Mr. President. It's rotten, isn't it? You think so much damage has been done already? Exactly. If there was one thing I wanted right in this administration, it was the treatment of the men who suffered in the war. Now all I've got to show for that is a, a mass of graft and a runaway thief. Couldn't be much worse, could it? Mr. President, you recall that Mr. Gorman who wrote for an appointment? Gorman? Oh, yes, yes, I do. Oh, shall I show him in? Uh, yes, all right. He's a merchandise wholesaler from Down East. I'll show him right in. Mr. Gorman, will you go in, please? Thank you. Come in, Mr. Gorman. Well, what can I do for you, sir? You're a busy man, Mr. President. I'll make my point quickly. Good. It's about Charles Holt. Go ahead. I gather it's the government's intention to prosecute him? Yes, as soon as he's found in Europe and brought back here. I expect it'll be a major scandal. I expect so. I almost regret scandals, Mr. President. I do, too. I like, when possible, to avoid them. I do, too. It's my thought that the Holt scandal can be avoided. Is it? How? By not prosecuting him. What's your interest in this, Mr. Gorman? I'll come to that in a moment. My thought is that nothing can be cured by a trial of Holt. It'll do a lot of harm. A lot of harm has already been done, Gorman. To veterans, to the public health service, to the taxpayers. The harm I have in mind is to you and to this administration. What are you getting at? seems to me the government has a choice, on the one hand, to table the charges against Holt. Oh, remove him from office, of course, but let interest in his case die away. Well, he's already resigned. What's the other choice? To try him as you intend and make new trouble for yourself and the government. Oh, I see. This is a threat. You're the one who'll make that new trouble. Not deliberately, of course. Only in defense of my firm's legitimate interests. And what are they? We have a number of contracts with the Veterans Bureau signed. But we've not yet received the goods because of your stop order. Those contracts were made in good faith, Mr. President. If they're not filled, we'll have to sue the government. Gorman, you're no fool. You know you're trying political blackmail, don't you? I'm only pointing out the choices you have and the price attached to each. I'm trying to be fair. Gorman, when we get our hands on Charles Holt, he's going to stand trial if it rips open every contract the entire government has. Then you can sue and the courts will throw your contracts out because they were made by fraud. I doubt if that can be done without Holt here, and you haven't got Holt. 
Our contracts will stand up in court, Mr. President. Gorman, I'm an older man than you. But I'll give you just 30 seconds to get out of the White House or I'll see you out myself. Now, get out! Mr. President. Mr. President. Wake up, sir. It's almost nine o'clock. Nine, nine o'clock? Well, why didn't you wake me up earlier, Ralph? Uh, hand me that robe, would you please? Uh, here you are, sir. I was going to wake you sooner, only I didn't have the heart. Well, I've got work to do. I know, sir. Only I thought it wouldn't hurt if you on a rest a little while. One well, night anyway. Well, it wasn't a long rest, Ralph. I didn't get to sleep till after five. Oh. Worrying about Mr. Holt again, no, sir? No, I can't seem to think of much else. Is the tub ready for me? Oh, I'll have to warm the water a little now, sir. Uh, I've started dreaming about him, Ralph. And in your dreams, you caught him, sir? That's the only place we have caught him so far. Uh, what did he be wanting to wear today, sir? The blue suit? Yes, that's all right. Of course, maybe I'm too practical-minded, sir. Is there such a thing, Ralph? About this Mr. Holt. Here he is, sir, going to Europe. Isn't that just about what everybody would want? Well, why wish him on Europe, Ralph? I mean, just so he isn't here. That's the main point. And here's everybody trying to get him back. Seems mighty impractical, Mr. President. A blue tie with a blue suit, sir? Anything, Ralph, anything. That Mr. Holt seemed like such a nice man. Yeah, I thought so too, Ralph. My sister thought that up about her husband was, sir. Guess we all make that mistake about some people. <laughs> yes, indeed we do, Ralph. I'm quite sure we do. Let's see who that is, Ralph. Uh, right away, sir. I believe the president's expecting me, Ralph. Oh, yes, sir. It's Mr. Spear, Mr. President. Come in, sir. Thank you, Oh, good morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. Excuse my not being shaved and dressed. Uh, Ralph let me oversleep. <laughs> no matter, sir. Now, sit down. Have you been making any progress? Not a great deal, sir. Got a staff of auditors going through the sales records and analyzing the contracts. There's not much on the face of them to prove they were fraudulent, except, of course, that the bidding was dishonest. It means we need Holt here very badly, doesn't it? Worse than ever. Provided he feels like telling us the details we need to know. And if we don't find him, then we can't prove those contracts fraudulent. The Bureau will have to turn over millions of dollars in supplies. We're not in a very happy position, Bob. Oh, I'll see what it is, sir. Mr. President. Come in, Miss Sarah. Mr. President, excuse me, but I knew you'd want to see this message right away. Charles Holt located in France. He will be returned to the United States within ten days. Miss Sarah, we've got him. Have him brought here the moment he arrives. Charlie, I want to give you a chance. Well? I want to give you a chance to undo some of the harm you've done by telling us the whole story from your side. We need that information. Will you do it? Is that why I've been brought here, Mr. President? Yes. I wanted to talk to you quietly. Talk to me? No. No, I know what it is. It's been the same from the very beginning. Men like Barr, he had it in for me. I told you that. And Spear, the same thing. Cheap, ambitious tricksters willing to tell any lies to tear down a better man. Charlie, what in heaven's name are you talking about? Finally, they persuaded you, didn't they, sir? You said you believed in me. But I know now what that was worth. You plotted with them. That wasn't enough, was it? 
Now you've dragged me in here so you can crow, is that it? Well, all right, go ahead. I can't, Charlie. Get hold of yourself. I've had time to think, Mr. President. And I wasn't guilty of anything worse than carelessness. You said so yourself. Then why did you run away? Because I never expected you to turn against me. Is that what being president does to men? Do you forget your friends and listen only to liars and to schemers? Oh, listen to me. We know you're guilty of corruption on a large scale. We know you ran away out of shame and fear. But now you've got a chance to make it a little easier for yourself. And a lot easier for us. Is this another cheap politician's trick? Hold I. You can help us if you will. By telling us about every fraudulent contract you made. How much was paid? What individuals were involved? <laughs> it is a politician's trick. First to ruin my career, and then you expect me to help you. Listen, Hall. Hold, I'll give you one more chance to stop this wild talk. One more chance? <laughs> you can put me in prison till I die. I'll never help. Don't you realize what you're doing? If you don't help us, those crooked contracts may stand up. There are no crooked contracts. The people you've already robbed will lose millions more. Think what you're doing. I was driven out. I had to run and hide. Charlie, you're being loyal to thieves. I'm not. You've twisted this thing into your own mind until... Till, well, you don't know the difference between truth and lies. Don't I? You think everyone's against you when you've only turned them against yourself. Oh, no. Now you haven't even the courage to admit what you Stop did. Stop it. To save some shred of your self-respect. Now you accuse me. You lie and you twist your... Stop it! And... Stop it! I think... Do you realize what you did? Now you listen to me. Damn it. No, no, no. I give you every chance, but every time you can no. turn rotten. I give no. you a final chance and you're lying. Please. Always lying. Now get out of here. No. Please. Excuse me, Mr. President. I... Mr. President, what has happened? Ralph, show Mr. Holdout. For the moment, he's unable to talk, but maybe he'll find that he can by the time he gets into court. Take him away, Ralph. I tell you, Bobby was completely off balance. He really seemed to believe he was the victim of some plot or other. He always did seem quick to blame other people, Mr. President. Mr. President, another report on the whole trial. Did they put him on the stand, sir? Just before the noon recess. And he said he's willing to give full details on everything that happened while he was director of the Veterans Bureau. Well, now, that's better. Well, if he doesn't change his mind, Bob, that means we can get those contracts canceled. I think I'll go over to the court, sir. I'd like to hear the rest of his testimony. All right, Bob, and drop in later. I'll want to hear all about it. I'll do that, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Oh, what a relief, Miss Sarah. What a relief. Now I can breathe for the first time in months. I'm glad to see you cheerful again, Mr. President. No, I'm not really. What? Why? Well, Charlie Holt was my friend, Miss Sarah. Can I ever trust... trust another man again? Does it make so much difference, Mr. President? As long as other men trust you? But will they, Miss Sarah? Will they? guess which president these incidents happened to? The time was 1923. 
The man we've called Charles Holt uh, and the president did, in fact, come to blows, and later that official, the director of the Veterans Bureau, really went to prison. The president, of course, was Warren G. Harding. And this incident was his first intimation that he had many corrupt officials in his administration. Warren Harding was one of our most tragic presidents. A man of great personal integrity, he never got over the treachery of so many men around him. Come and see me again next week, won't you? I'll have another story for you about the White House and Mr. President that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Good night. Edward Arnold appears as Mr. President by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Green Dolphin Street, starring Lana Turner, Van Heflin, Donna Reed, and Richard Hart. Mr. President is presented each week by the American Broadcasting Company. It is produced by Robert D. Jennings, directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah was played by Betty Lou Gerson. Tonight's story by Paul R. Milton was suggested by incidents in the administration of President Warren G. Harding. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adler. Be sure to listen again next week when Edward Arnold brings you another story of Mr. President. Now, here's a special program note. Tomorrow night, Break the Bank contestants will try for $3,220 in cash. Be sure to hear Break the Bank tomorrow night. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.